This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Black and white, and we are on our third Terry Moore episode. This is only the first one you and I have done, Jay. Uh, with me this week is Jay, recurring co-host. Uh, pretty much you and Dennis are holding down co-host duties lately. I tried to set up some other ones, and uh, certain somebody keeps on flaking. <laughs> We're back here again with uh, with more Terry Moore. Uh, before we get into what Terry Moore we're talking about today, uh, what Terry Moore have you read before this? I have read, and not all of it, I have not completed it, I've read some of uh, uh, Rachel Rising. That's right, yeah, because you got the, the omnibus from that for me, yep. which fueled my purchase of Strangers in Paradise omnibus, right. which I have also hardly read. Uh, I, I read the first trade of uh, Strangers in Paradise some time ago. I had uh, actually the, the owner of my, not my current, but my last comic <laughs> shop was a big Terry Moore fan. And talked up Strangers in Paradise, so I had picked up the first uh, collection on Comixology, uh, so for like, I don't know, three bucks or something. Can't go wrong. Right. Uh, and I liked it. You know, I was like, oh, well, I'll check that out more later sometime when, when I feel like it. Uh, I, mean, I feel, it was I feel bad surprising. about not having read more Terry Moore, because he's, he's a native Texan like myself. So uh, he lives down in Houston, so uh, shame on me for not knowing more about him, <laughs> having read more of his stuff. I just feel terrible about that. You know, I've read everything any Californian's ever written. <laughs> completely not true. But yeah, so Rachel Rising is what really hooked me just completely uh, into Terry Moore. And I got Rachel Rising also on Comixology. They had a sale on the, the entire collection. It was like 30 bucks for the whole collection on, on Comixology. And I uh, I picked that up. Uh, it was one of those things I had seen the covers for it over and over, and it kept on catching my eye. There's right. something about Terry Moore's art, and we have uh, we have well, I know he's my friend. I actually don't know if he's your friend, uh, Aaron from uh, from the Nerdy Legion podcasting network. Uh, Aaron Bell hates Hi. Terry Moore. Absolutely hates Terry Moore. It really shows how Aaron has no taste in anything. <laughs> but uh, I only know him very casually, just from mostly from stuff on the Slack channel or in, in Facebook. So. Yeah, I can't he's a good guy, but uh, he has no taste and he's full of hate. So, uh, <laughs> but I digress. But yeah, there's just something about Terry Moore's artwork uh, that he—I don't know—he draws—he draws in a way that is is simple, but makes there be so much more substance there in a way. And he draws uh, he draws women in a way that is not like overly sexualizing them. Or anything like like he draws them like normal people, but it makes them more alluring uh, because they're more normal people. It makes you feel more drawn to them. So like I know reading Rachel Rising, there's you know, a lot of characters in there that I just I feel like you get drawn to them quicker because they're not the you know the stereotypical female in comics uh, that is you know way overly sexualized. So you don't really feel like there's not a connection. I mean, you know, you go back to the era of comics where women were, I mean, especially like the 90s where everything was really over-sexualized. Right. Uh, it wasn't because you wanted to connect with the women. It's because you wanted to do something else with the women in the comics. And that's definitely not what Terry Moore is going for. Before we get into this actual comic book, one more Terry Moore comment. I saw this on Twitter. 
if you don't follow Terry Moore on uh, on Twitter, if you like his comics at all, you should because he doesn't post a ton. Usually when he does, it's uh, it's interesting enough to be worth seeing. Uh, but he had posted a, a piece of art from Motor Girl, and it was in the I think it was the fourth issue where it shows her uh, she's standing in front of a mirror and he, she has her uh, shirt more or less off. I forget if she's like pulling it up or if it's just completely off, but it shows all the scars on her back. Right. Uh, because she's a veteran. And, uh, you know, and we know a little bit of the details about what happened to her, but not very much yet. Uh, but so it's showing that. But I mean, so she's topless, but it's not showing anything. And somebody responded to the tweet asking if basically asking if they could see the other side. And Terry Moore basically said that will almost certainly never happen. Right. Uh, there would have basically there would have to be a very good reason to show like blatant nudity, and it's not going to happen just to show it. And I really appreciated that with Terry Moore. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with with nudity and and art, but I don't know, especially the way the guy was asking. It's like, no, you're not just going to get to see her tits. So. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, he was being, you know, silly about it, and probably was facetious in his comment. Wasn't really expecting that, but. Uh... I do appreciate what Terry said. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. He does, you know, kind of follow up on what you're saying. Oddly enough, he's written a book. It's a, an instruction book. Uh, he's written several instruction books on drawing comics, and one of them is called How to Draw Women, mm-hmm. which I've been meaning to get uh, since I can afford it, because I'd like to see what he, his take is, because it is, you're right, he does draw women not in a, you know, the stereotypical you know, buxom, uh, over, overly sexualized way that you see in a lot of comics. Yeah, exactly. They're not sexless, but they're not overly sexed up either. You know, I mean, they're just, it, they're like normal people, you know. There's a balance in there. So I, I, I really like Terry Moore's art. I'm sure we'll t- touch on it some as we dive into Motor Girl, the ongoing Terry Moore series, uh, which we're doing this. Uh, five issues are out, which is halfway through the run of this title, which is going to run for ten issues. And then, uh, from what I've been hearing, Strangers in Paradise is going to be his next project. It's making a comeback after this. That's what I've heard. It's it's not going to be a long series, but uh, he is going to do. Yeah, he is going to return to Strangers in Paradise at some point. Yeah. He has plenty of Strangers in Paradise already in the books. Uh, like I said, I got the Omnibus thanks to you buying the Rachel Rising Omnibus for me. Uh, and the Strangers in Paradise Omnibus is over a thousand pages and two, two big volumes in a slipcase. Quite a bit, quite a bit of book. Uh, I'm looking forward to diving into that. Uh, yeah, so since we're getting to that, like what he's doing next, one of the interesting things about Motor Girl is that this was in the works for a long time. He was talking about doing this. Well, talking. he was thinking about doing this, uh, as he said, after Strangers in Paradise. uh, You brought this up to me. So what happened? Uh, He's very cryptic about it. I mean, he doesn't say exactly what happened, but he he indicated that that was his plan. And then I think the way he phrased it in one place was, the universe demanded that Echo be done next. Yeah, yeah. After that, and then after Echo, he did Strangers in Paradise, and so it's been you know several years since he's had the idea, or originally had the idea for Motor Girl that's just gotten pushed back. 
and uh, you yeah. know, I don't know the exact reason he did. Like I said, I haven't read anything specific on why he did that, other than just probably his creative impulses. Just yeah, that was. His, I loved his statement on that. Was uh, he did Strangers in Paradise, and then he said it was something to, to what she said that the universe demanded that Echo was next, and then after that, he ended up doing Rachel Rising. Right, uh, and then. Uh, I, I don't even know when Rachel Rising ended, uh, but that was the last thing that he did before Motor Girl. Right. Now, apparently, we're going back to some Strangers in Paradise. So now, when when Motor Girl first started coming out, I, I, I just barely knew who Terry Moore was. I had read that first little bit of Strangers in Paradise. I might have bought the Rachel Rising on Comixology, but I, I doubt I had really started reading it yet. So I saw the first issue there, and I was like, meh. That looks, in, you know, I knew his name, so I, I checked it out, flipped through a little bit. I was like, this looks, you know, kind of lighthearted, and uh, yeah, that was my first impression of it. Without reading it, just kind of flipping through it, it's like you get these kind of cartoony aliens in it. It just looks like kind of a, a silly, lighthearted type of story. You have this, uh, you know, anthropomorphized uh, gorilla. Made me think a lot of, have you ever read Six Gun Gorilla? No, I have not. Six Gun Gorilla is by, I think it's Simon Spurrier. It was released by Boom. I think it was six issues. Uh, it's been a long time since I've read it, but it was a fun read. So that's one that I suggest uh, to anybody looking to grab something kind of random. How can you not enjoy a comic book about a gorilla with six guns? <laughs> I mean, well, really, they're, they're just... Yeah, there's not enough, uh, not enough apes in comics these days. <laughs> Especially not uh, central or supporting character apes. Uh, yeah, so that was my first impression just glancing at it, but then you start reading Motor Girl, and especially as you get deeper into, uh, the story, which we're only halfway through it right now, it definitely gets a lot, a lot heavier. Uh, so what was your first impression of it? A lot of the same reaction as yours. It, it, one of the interesting things about this, I think, is it does sort of toggle back and forth between some lighthearted, you know, even you know, comical, funny things, and uh, you know some deeply serious stuff. I mean, this is uh, you know Samantha Sam uh, is a really you know damaged person uh, from her. Yeah, I mean we still don't really know the extent of the damage either. We just know that it's it's deep. Well, she did three tours as a marine, three tours of duty as a marine. And was uh, captured and spent some time in an Iraqi war camp, war prison, where I think it's where she got the scars on her back, and yeah. so it, it talks a little bit about that. So we know that that's she's definitely got some you know, significant post-traumatic stress problems. I think is a basis for a lot of what's you know what's motivating her in this story. But uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, you read, you start reading it and it's kind of funny because you know, it starts out and she's having this argument with uh, Mike, her gorilla companion, about, uh, you know, we're at the beginning of the end of civilization. And it all has to do with that like, she saw a guy driving an F-250 pickup, which is a giant Ford pickup, you know, <laughs> while he's texting. And she's she's making some strange connection of how this is going to lead to driverless cars which will be the end of civilization. It'll be the fall of our civilization. 
so you, you look at this and like, boy, this is really it's it's humorous, but it's kind of strange in the beginning. It always so yeah, it starts out in a lighthearted kind of a funny way, but then we immediately, pretty quickly, starts beginning to see, you know, get um, into her character because because Libby shows up early on, and then there's a scene where uh, in one panel. It's showing Libby, Sam, and Mike, the gorilla, and then in the next, it, he's not there. So you're getting to see that Mike is in Sam's head. You know, this is not a, a actual character, physical character that's in the book. This is, you know, yeah, exactly. Because going in, I mean, what do you? There, there's no reason to assume that it's not. I mean, it's a comic book. You know, right. I mean, he's on the cover of the first issue. If you know anything about Terry Moore, you know that it's not like he, does, you know, the stuff that he writes basically takes place in the real world right. uh even if it's not you know necessarily real world stuff all the time um but yeah so i mean this you go into it and i mean if you you're just abandoning uh you know reality like you do when you read a comic book why wouldn't you assume that mike was real but then you see that he's not uh, you also see so first of all libby is she's an old lady and she owns the land where this like junkyard that uh that Sam works at is on um and Libby must be well off cuz she's basically just keeping the junkyard for Sam which we find out more of later but you see Sam's uh you know not only is she passionate about mechanical things i think it's uh because it's something that she like not only does she have the ability to fix it but it's like it's, it's something in the world that she has control over um which you know, we, you mentioned we see some of the damage that she's had in the past and that, I mean, she's definitely suffering PTSD. Um, so we, you know, I mean, it's easy to understand that if she's been through traumatic things that having the feeling of control over something would be something important. Um, so it, at first you see it kind of lighthearted, just like you said, it's just kind of a joke, like, uh, texting is the end of the world. It's going to lead to this and this and this, and that's the worst thing that can happen. But, you know, when you read into it, you see it's, you know, it's not just that she's passionate about mechanics, it's that she has a need for it. And that's why Libby's keeping the place is she has a need for it, uh, and coping with what, what she's coping with, uh, that she dealt with, uh, being a Marine, um, Libby also, incidentally, I believe it was uh, Strangers in Paradise, they said, but she, she is from the greater Terry Moore, if you will, universe of comics already. So they kind of connected Motor Girl in with, uh, you know, with, with other things that exist. And if I'm wrong about it being Sip, then it's, uh, it's Rachel Rising, but I'm pretty sure it's Sip that, uh, that Libby's in. Um, and in the first issue, so as I said, I flipped through and it seemed pretty, uh, you know, pretty lighthearted and kind of silly at first because you, you get aliens show up and not only are they aliens, they're very cartoony aliens. Uh, yeah. Libby, or, sorry, not Libby, Sam helps them fix their spaceship. Uh, they're grateful for her. She gets an alien hug and as they fly off, you see a couple little alien handprints that were, uh, copping a feel on her ass when they were giving her a hug. So it's, you know, a lot of a lot of humor in there, silly little things like that. So I mean, the first issue, even though you you know some things may seem a little, little off kilter, it's just a lot of lighthearted in the first issue. Yeah, I agree. And look, it's I thought the same thing about the aliens. It, it, they look very, you know, they come out and they're wearing these ill-fitting costumes and these helmets that look like they're just kind of 
smashed, and they look like something out of a, I don't know, like a comic strip, like a Bloom County or something that you'd see. Yeah, or like the, I think it was the Jetsons that it made me think of. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but I can see that. So yeah, and, and that kind of getting into the art a little bit, It's I like the way he varies his styles in here, because there's some some of the renderings, especially of Samantha, and things, you know, very... I don't want to say realistic, but I mean they're they're very grounded in you know what people look like and not a very loose uh, cartoon comic strip type of art. But then he has this in there too, so he's he's kind of mixing different styles throughout, which I thought you know was an interesting choice and it really shows his diverse talents as um, as an artist. Yeah, and uh, I, I think you, utilizing that, too, kind of keeps you off kilter in this book where, I mean, we're halfway through it, and you get the overlying threads of what's going on, but you still just feel off kilter with a lot of stuff because you know that there's there's more than what meets the eye with everything. So in the fifth issue... Uh, Okay, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, we're not always gonna break down issue by issue by any means, no, but no. Uh, we'll just kind of rattle through what happens in the issues to give the structure of the overall picture. So, so we we meet Sam, we we see the junkyard, we see, we meet the gorilla, we realize that he's not really there. We meet the aliens. We're not 100 percent sure if they're really there or not because they they do kind of try to trick us back and forth on that. Uh, but as it goes on, you realize yes, they're there. They're real. Uh, pretty quickly, we get a couple of uh, of goons that are coming. They make an offer to Libby for the land, uh, quite a hefty offer, uh, and Libby won't sell because she knows what it means to Sam. So that's where I was saying Libby must be pretty well off. Is I mean, if you could just be like, no, nah, I'm not going to take a ton of money uh, because she needs this place more than she needs anything else. She's um, also suspicious of their motives because this is a this is a junkyard or wrecking yard in the desert in Nevada. I mean, it has no really real value. And they're making her this you know, exorbitant offer. And so she's, she smells a rat immediately. You know, like, what's going on here? And I think at one point she's even says if they're going to open a casino then she wants 10%. You know, she wants a yeah, deal. exactly. <laughs> so she's, she's, she's yeah, she knows this means a lot to Sam. And she won't sell unless Sam gives her the go-ahead. But she's also she's she's onto these guys. You know, there's something you know not a little bit underhanded going on here. Yeah. So these two guys also were big characters in in the book. Uh, Vic and Lou is that the the correct names? Vic and Larry. Vic and Larry. Says I was like three quarters right there. Uh, so Vic and Larry. Vic is the big guy. Larry is the little guy. Uh, you know, they start off presenting them as pretty legit thugs, but as it goes on, you discover that they're not really that legit of thugs. Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, they said this was their first job, basically. Yeah, they're just uh, kind of work-for-hire guys, but they're just really inexperienced and kind of incompetent. Yeah, so they, they're they they're pretty hilarious. Uh, they come and try to threaten Sam... Uh, after the, the offer gets turned down, they try to kidnap her. That's pretty foolish, uh, seeing as she's a, a Marine with the ability to survive three tours and being a prisoner of war. Uh, so 
it it's it's all pretty funny. They they just fail in all of their attempts. Uh, Larry gets abducted by the aliens. Uh, Vic is sad. I believe Larry's his brother-in-law. Uh, I think so, or future brother-in-law, something like that. I, I something like that, yeah. I believe so it's, it's, it's Yeah, it's all pretty funny. But so they, they fail in their attempts. Uh, and then the the big boss shows up, the guy who's trying to purchase the land. Um, and he's the one that makes it really clear the severity of what Sam is going through. And not only the, the trauma she suffered, but uh, he makes it clear that she has a condition that's threatening her life. Yeah. So, you know, tumor. we've already seen by this point that she's, uh, she's you know, blacking out from time to time and having massive headaches and stuff like that. So that is definitely where it gets a lot heavier is in the fifth issue where we're, we're really confronted with what's the, you know, the, the hardcore stuff that she's dealing with right yeah he somehow he through his connections he gets he gets access to her military records or her medical records from the military and finds out all of what's going on and yeah she's got uh, some type of brain tumor we don't know specifically what type or it's malignant or benign but it's still it's probably the source of, of those headaches and Maybe some of her even, uh, I don't want to call them delusions, but uh, outright, but, you know, some of the things that she sees, like Mike, who's really, you know, we see Mike has been, and it's revealed in that, in a couple panels where it shows her back in the hospital after her tour of duty, but before she came out to the junkyard, of he's with her. So he's been her companion through all of this, through her time. You know, being in an Iraqi prisoner of war camp, you know, and she even says that a couple of times when somebody says, I think the doctor she goes to that Libby sets her up with makes a comment about, well, you've, rem- that's, you've had a lot to go through alone. And she says, well, I've never been alone. Mm-hmm. It's obviously she's referring to Mike, you know, this, the gorilla in her you know, imagination. He's been, he has been the, the one constant throughout all of this, the thing that, that she clings to. Which is very, you know, it's, it takes the humor out of that kind of relationship that's early, that we saw early on and it makes it, you know, very serious and very and touching in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of the point that we're at in it too is, we're, we're being met with so much reality of this stuff that like up till now has kind of set up the humor. So now you have, you know, you, you feel connected to the character. Uh, you know, you, you want to, you want to see her be able to, to have happiness and you just kind of, then you're, you're abruptly confronted with what she's dealing with. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, Terry Moore definitely makes things pretty real. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, he, like in, in Strangers in Paradise, uh, I've only read uh, a little of it so far, but, you know, he's dealing with kind of real people, real emotions. The other thing that I've, I've read in completion is Rachel Rising, which is a, a horror story, 
but uh, you're still dealing with a lot of people and relationships and stuff like that. But even in Rachel Rising, yeah, Rachel Rising, where it's it's a horror story, so there's a lot of stuff in it that that you know doesn't really feel real. I mean, you know, witches and demons and stuff like that, and you know whether you believe all those things are real or not, whatever. I mean, in a horror story, like when you're reading a story like that, you're like, you're not like, oh, this is stuff that really happens. Um, but there's so many things that happen in that book. Like one of the most horrific things that happens in the book is something that really happens in real life. Um, so you've read the beginning of Rachel Rising, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it starts off with her coming out of a shallow grave where she was buried face down. And it's pretty clear, even though the details aren't made clear, that she was, uh, she was assaulted, murdered, and buried. You don't know the extent of stuff. And at the end of the series, you find out the extent of everything and what happened. And that, that's the, the most horrific thing that, that happened in the series. And it's something that's real, something that really happens. And, uh, I think it's kind of the same thing in, in Motor Girl where, you know, you, you, you're reading it, you get caught up in kind of the, the silliness and the lighthearted and, you, know, you get into the the story, and um, the the story you're being told is of uh, you know some corrupt rich person with uh, ulterior motives trying to purchase this land, but they don't want to sell it. You know, I mean, it's, it's a pretty stereotypical story at a base level. You know, the the rich people want to buy what's ours, but it matters more to us than money does. But it, all the context of all the other things make like make the core of the story not even matter you know i mean right now at this point in the story like i'm more concerned with what's going on with samantha not with whether or not they fight off those rich people you know right yeah i agree i mean it's it's you really are looking i mean seeing that she's what's slowly been revealed about you know the, the horror that's gone that she's gone through through her military experience, especially being you know a prisoner, and to know that she's now facing you know potentially life threatening disease yeah it's it's really you're you're looking at this like how's she gonna come out of this and and the rest of it I don't want to say it falls into it insignificance, but it it seems secondary in a lot of ways to to, to that to that story, what's going on with her? But we also see, especially at the end of this um, this, uh, this number issue number five, which is where we're stopping. Um, you know, they've Walden, the, the guy and his people have shown up, and they've pretty much surrounded the junkyard, and are also are also making some sort of almost like a military encampment around that, and. You can tell she's, you know, she's not going to stand for that. And she's going to fight them with every bit of, you know, energy and everything that she can muster. She's not going to stand for that. So you can see that that's important to her. So that that makes it important to the reader, to us, I think. Yeah. So what do you think of uh, Larry's encounter with the aliens up in their spaceship? That is strange. Um, I mean, it's it's strange and humorous because first of all, and I don't you know want to reveal too much. If somebody hasn't read it, but we get the first 
glimpse of the aliens without their helmets on, and we kind of see their real nature, and it is not what you were, not what I was expecting, uh, what they really look like. Um, and it continues to be in that kind of a cartoony comic strip thing. And then there's this, you know, really strange panel where you see other captives that they've had, uh, other people that they've captive. And um, let's just say they're doing experimentation, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, so yeah, and that's that's all we see is like a few, just a few panels of that. I, I I wonder the significance of that that that's going to have going forward because I kind of feel like that's not just a little throwaway scene that there's going to be some, something more significant to the story from that. Uh, maybe I would, I'm wrong, but no, I, I would think you're right. I can't. I mean, you from what little I've read with Terry Moore, and you, it, it doesn't seem to me like he's the type of person to put any throwaways in there. I think everything he puts in here is going to tie in in some way. Yeah, yeah, I love it. He 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 wakes up after being captured with the blanket or whatever over him with like mermaid, fin, you know, fin place of his legs, yeah. but it's just a blanket on top of him. He wakes up, sees that, and yells, "They gave me fish <laughs> legs!" Yes, oh, that's great. Yeah, all, all those uh, the, the the panels that showed all of uh, his fellow captives. I had to look that over for a while, so um, it was quite quite some interesting things in there. So, right. yeah, if anybody hasn't checked this book out yet, they actually uh, so the, these were the first five issues, and the first trade is out already, also, which is the first five issues. Right. It's only going to be a ten issue series, so if anybody uh, hasn't jumped into it like even if you jump into it now you're halfway through it's not going to be a massive amount more but uh not a bad time to just dive into it no and it's i think it's good and if you've not read terry Moore before you know you can easily there's nothing in here yeah some of these characters have appeared previously but there's nothing that about it that would cause you not to jump in right here if you've never read more yeah, there's no no previous reading required. It's kind of like watching a Kevin Smith movie where it's like, oh yeah, that character was in this movie. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to the story at all. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're halfway through. We're halfway through this uh, this book. Uh, I believe this is one that we'll definitely get back to when it's over. Uh, and on the plus side, as opposed to Rachel Rising, where Martin and I talked about about the first half of it, and then. It's funny. We did that episode, and our friend Ronnie, who is also you know from the the Nerdy Legion Network, he listened to the episode, decided to give the comic a try, pounded through the whole series so quickly that even though I was halfway through, he finished it way before I did. Yeah, I think he read it over the course of a few days. He went through it so quickly. When I finally finished it up, he was so eager about it that we did a second episode. Uh, kind of wrapping it up, going over the rest of the story, uh, and you know, kind of touching back and you know, tying the whole thing up. Uh, he 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 was supposed to join us tonight, wasn't he? What happened to Ronnie? Uh, he I talked to him briefly before we recorded. He started 
doing some yard work today, landscaping, and um, he's kind of caught, caught up in that. I was trying to get things done before dark, so. <laughs> <laughs> Always excuses Life. with Ronnie. Uh, yeah. He, <laughs> he really wanted to be here, too, when I talked to him on Friday. He was like, you know, because he's, he's, yeah, he's very uh, enamored with uh, Moore's writing. Now, he and I have talked about Motor Girl a little bit before, and yeah, he, he thinks it's a, a stellar series as well. Yeah, you know, I've, I've talked about it some too. I know he's gotten very hooked on Terry Moore. Uh, I don't believe he's read any of the other Terry Moore stuff yet, but uh, there will definitely be more Terry Moore podcasts uh, in in the future of this podcast. Uh, Strangers in Paradise alone, uh, we could go about many different ways, but we'll, we'll talk about that at least a couple episodes and. We still got Echo to hit up, which is a nice little contained story, a little bit shorter than Rachel Rising, much longer than Motor Girl. Uh, The good thing is, is we know that we won't be back to Motor Girl for five months because there's five more issues to come out. We won't hit it again until we get to the end of it. Right. Um, Is there anything else that stood out to you in the the first half of this run? I think, no, we've covered, you know, everything that I wanted that stood out to me. I mean, we've talked about his artwork and... Um, like I said, you know, without saying too much, I want to be a little bit cognizant of spoilers for anybody who hasn't read it that might want to avoid some of the more interesting revelations. But no, I think it's just a really good story, and it, it's. Yeah, I was thinking when you were talking about Rachel Rising being a horror story, it, in Mordecai, you can't. You can't put it into any kind of a genre that I see. I mean, the knee-jerk reaction might be, you think, oh, aliens, science fiction. Well, no, it's not It's not a science fiction book at all. You know, so it really, it's, it's, it, doesn't, it defies any sort of, you know, genre classification. But it's just, a, it's a good story. If you like good storytelling, great art, and... With a with a you know, character driven human element to it, then you know I, I I can only highly recommend this and any other of his writings from what I based on what I've experienced. Yeah, you know, and I I think seeing I mean I know I like it. I'm me, so that's easy to tell why I like it. Uh, just getting to know what you like and your taste, it doesn't surprise me that we both like it because our tastes are along the same line. Uh, but then you throw Ronnie in there liking it. Uh, and Ronnie reads a lot of comics. I mean, he has breadth in what he reads, but I mean, he does in Nerdy Legion, he does a DC podcast. He has a Marvel podcast and he does an Aftershock podcast. And, uh, you know, say what you will about Aftershock. You could say positive stuff, uh, about it, but. Uh, you know, Aftershock isn't along the same lines as, as Terry Moore. It's not like that kind of indie, you know, running with your own idea kind of, I mean, it, it's these people's own ideas, you know, the creators and stuff, of course. Like, it's something kind of different, but it's still, it's, it's more in the vein of like, uh, I don't know, it, it's hitting a little closer to, what you expect from comics, I guess, just like the exciting stories. That, that's my take on, or, you know, my view on Aftershock. You know, they're, 
they're interesting. But anyways, like nothing about Aftershock makes me think, well, if you like Aftershock, you would like this. So seeing Ronnie just really get hooked into Terry Moore, I think says a lot about Terry Moore uh, to me yeah. uh, that, you know, it, it, it can can appeal to so many different people. Martin loves Terry Moore. Uh, Aaron has no taste. So, you know, it probably speaks more to Terry Moore's quality that he doesn't like Terry Moore. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, Motor Girl, it's, you know, part of the reason we wanted to do this is we've been reading it and we've been wanting to talk about it, but we didn't want to do it before there was enough to talk about. Um, but we also didn't want to just wait to the end right. because, you know, a big part of the reason that we do this podcast is so people can hear about something that they may have never heard about. I mean, I just talked about how Ronnie listened to the episode we did on Rachel Rising and it made him the biggest Rachel Rising fan. He just dove right through it, and then we did a second podcast on Rachel Rising because of how uh, how much we both loved it. Uh, so we wanted to kind of get the exposure on on Motor Girl too while it's still running, because uh, of course you know as with uh, as with any other comic, if you like something, you got to support it. So you know if if you like this type of comic, go out there and buy the damn comic so Terry Moore can keep making these types of comics. Yeah. And keep your head from getting ripped off by Mike the gorilla. Yeah, I'll send it after you. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm making an obscure joke. That's what's on the the cover of the first <laughs> issue is it shows Samantha and Mike, and he's holding up a sign that says "Buy her comic or I'll rip your head off." So it's funny. I've I've actually I, I have the Wikipedia page up, and that's of course the image that they have on the Wikipedia page that has almost no information on it, but it has a uh, has that cover. Um, yeah, so uh, dig into some Motor Girl. We'll be back to Motor Girl in like five months. Um, we'll, we'll probably dip into some other Terry Moore stuff. And if you're listening and you are a fan of Terry Moore, uh, let us know if there's other stuff. I mean, aside from Terry Moore, because obviously he only has so big of a body of work. But let us know if there's other stuff that you've really dug that we should check out based on the fact that we like Terry Moore. And then we'll take a peek at that yes. and see what we can do. We're always looking for new suggestions. We actually have uh, quite a few odds and ends lined up from everybody's suggestions. Can't even remember all of them. We're still working on getting the Elf Quest the episode up. Um, <laughs> uh, Curb Dennis enthusiasm on read, I don't want to read that so bad. But I know some people are very enthusiastic about it. Dennis has purchased and read the whole first omnibus. Uh, I will get my hands on it and read at least some of it. Martin's working on it. We have a couple other people that were interested. So hopefully we'll put a fun episode together around ElfQuest, which will not be my cup of tea, but that doesn't matter. I don't have to like everything, uh, but I love getting other people on to talk about these things that they're excited and interested in, even if I'm not, because you never know when I will be. Uh, yeah. So until next time, uh, well, God, what the hell do we have queued up next? Uh, we don't have anything queued up next. Yeah. But I don't have anything queued up. I know I'm working on so prospects in the future to start checking out. Dennis and I are gonna do an episode on a book called Tyrant, which is a mini series about dinosaurs. Uh he sent me the five issues uh that I believe is the whole series. Uh so I have that uh to read and we'll be doing that. Hopefully we'll actually be doing Elf Quest as the next episode, then we have that Tyrant one set up. Then Jay and I will discuss uh, what we're going to 
bring. I know we have a few things in the air. I just don't have my hands on any of them. Uh, well, uh, I mean, there's some obvious things. You know, we have, we said we're doing some more Terry Moore. There will be more. There will be more Love and Rockets talk somewhere down the line. Uh, and yeah, we've got several things that we're talking about. I yeah, a lot of different things in the works. I just I don't think we've been we haven't made any firm decisions. So. Yeah. So listen to the next episode to find out what else will be coming up. So until next time, you can find me on Twitter at Who's Paul. You can tweet the podcast at CBW Podcast. You can find Jay on Twitter at Jay Forgets. Uh, you can email the podcast at cbwpodcast at gmail.com. I have literally never checked that email. I probably should check <laughs> that and see if anything has happened there. Yes. Uh, yeah, so let us know if you have any other ideas of stuff we should do. I know I have gotten one book from a listener that it was just something they loved and they wanted to share with me. Uh, so I'll actually share with you, Jay, what that book is off air. And uh, perhaps it's something that we can do in the future because I just glanced through it and it looks pretty interesting. So until next time, uh, read ElfQuest if you're into that type of thing. And if not, just go read some Terry Moore and feel better about yourself. producer puts in some good outro music. That doesn't really seem very pumped to me. Now I'm in Maine. Far, far away from there. Yeah, and I'm going to rip your throat out. I could really go off. Blasphemer. Fingerprints on your face. Or I'll rip your head off. I've read everything any Californian's ever written. Nobody gives a shit.
shit how anybody feels today. Hey man, this is, this is a crazy ass book. What the hell is going on? Nerdy Legion. Secret Knowledge Society. Thanks for selling them in Texas. But I had tacos. chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. also don't really like traditional intros. I hate the welcome to blah, blah, blah. How are you doing today, co-host? I heard that on, uh, there was some podcast, Martin's like, oh, you got to listen to what they said. So I listened to it and they did that at the beginning. Welcome to this. How are you today, so-and-so? It's like nobody gives a shit how anybody feels today. Just get out of the podcast. So then I told Martin's like, don't ever ask me how I feel at the beginning of a podcast again. (laughs) Okay, we're on episode 12. 